Ah, all right, you had enough of, of me talking. You just heard me for an hour talking. And so let's go to a guy that's also pretty good at talking like I am. Joining me on the Dr. Glatt Regrew Hairline, Dr. Paul Glatt, Philadelphia's leading air restoration doctor. Visit drglatt.com. It is Tony Jigsaw Cotillo. And, uh, you know, you... I, I you immediately came on. I'm like, oh, Wheeler looks bad. You know, he's he's not doing well. But you even were one to kind of let the cooler heads prevail and be like, you know what? Uh, it's it's still get, cut him some slack. You know, it's a little bit of Wheeler's actually been doing pretty well, even though he doesn't have his A stuff against a great lineup. And that I think you got to count as a small victory. No, no, absolutely. I mean, listen, the umpire is not helpful on the home play either. I mean, he just helped him out on this one, though. I don't know if you saw this strikeout. Nowhere near the strike zone, and he just punched out Uzuna. Uh, so oh, okay. he, he did help him out. And he hasn't been all game, but this one, I, this only particular instance, he definitely did. That was not a strike. So he gave him one. Right? Yeah. But, but here's what I will say. Here's what I will say. His velocity uh, great. tonight has been, has been amazing. It really has. I mean, he's hitting 95, 96, 97 at ease, with ease, and we didn't see that last year. No, and it's, you know, it's it's consistently hitting that, and I, yep. I think now the location, you know, that's what needs to be consistent, and he was for the most part last season, uh, but now he's dealing with a little bit of location issues, walks some guys, he's all over the middle of the plate, which uh, is not a spot you want to be against the Braves. Uh, but, yeah, for the most part, and I guess, you know, this is what happens with good starting pitchers. Uh, even when they don't have a great night and they're not locating very well, their stuff is just so good that even if they're around the middle of the plate, they're still going to be tough to hit. And Wheeler has kind of buckled down. He just had a nice pitch in, in on the hands on Darno, a nice uh, two-seamer that went in on the hands right on the ba- uh, the black two on the plate. Uh, great pitch, but you know, it's just this is a sign of a of a good pitcher, and like Zach Wheeler is, because even when he doesn't have his stuff and is around the danger zone of the plate, his his stuff is just still so nasty that they can still get by guys. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you think about it, and, and this is we'll get a little historic. That's what made guys like Tom Glavin and Greg Maddox so great. That even when they didn't have their best stuff, their location was key, or even their location was off. Their, their, their change up in speed was key, where they make a ground ball out and double plays. And, and, and I think Zach Willer broke four bats tonight. So yeah. even though right, so even though his location hasn't been, or I should say has been erratic at times, at least he's given himself enough to get out of the jam. And that is the sign, Charlie. You said not just a good pitcher, but a very, very good pitcher. One who Freddie Freeman, if you were listening to the broadcast uh, for the um, for the Phillies, Ruben Amaro brought off that. You know, this Freddie Freeman kind of said he has Jacob Degrom type stuff now. That he's pitching can every pitch is a competitive pitch. Every at bat is competitive, and that's something that Freddie said. He's not used to seeing from Zach Wheeler. Yeah, every pitch, I, I would say, uh, as the young kids say, with a little stank on it. You know, every every pitch yeah. got a little something, whether it's a a bender or whether it's some heat that's coming in on the hands. There always is a little bit of something behind it that's tough to hit. Unfortunately, though, the Braves did end up hitting him there, three to one lead now for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, so Zach Wheeler, it's it's been a tough start, but you know, don't I didn't want to make too much out of his first start of the season. I'm not going to make too much out of this start. I think he's done pretty well considering the fact that he really hasn't had his best stuff. Uh, but it, it's been the, the NL East has been interesting to start out. Uh, I think I could say, like, is there anything definitive you think you've seen early on? And that's tough to honestly judge through six, seven games. Uh, and I don't even think the Mets have gotten to that yet, or that Nationals have. 
Uh, but is there anything definitive that you can definitely make out? Like, for me, I can definitively say the Mets, while they have talent, they, they don't look like a playoff team. And I, I think they're missing too many pieces and, too, and, and haven't filled in as many gaps to be a playoff team. A year from now, they obviously could because they're going to open up the bankroll still and they're going to make trades and get those players. But right now, I just don't think they have the horses. What are kind of definitive things that you have seen so far from the NL East? I'll tell you, honestly, I'm not, again, I'm not saying this to toot my own horn, but it's exactly the way I thought about this when we talked about a month ago. You know, and I know it's only six, seven games in, but if you look at this NL East as a whole, you have a New York team, you exactly put it the right way, just don't have enough. And that's what we talked about. You know, they're pitching up at the very top, very good. After that, suspect. Their lineup, they go out and they pay Lindor a ton of money, right? Uh, you know, is he that guy to get that kind of cash? I don't really think he is. But, hey, we'll see how it works out. They don't have enough pieces in the lineup. Washington looks old. They look dated. Miami, just not there. This is going to be a two-horse race, Atlanta and Philly. And Philly has shown, even without the bats, we haven't even hit the ball, and we're 5-1 without even hitting the ball. So that is a huge deal to me because I thought it was going to be the other way around. I thought our bats were going to be on fire, and our pitching was going to kind of lag behind a little bit at the beginning and then come on towards the end. But now it's been the opposite. Uh, the only thing that scares me about the Phillies is the bullpen. Yeah, and you know, I, I think what we saw from the Phillies through that first week and through those first couple of series was, you know, what it would look like if everything was perfect. If this was a perfect yep. world, you know, that's what it would be. Eflin, Wheeler, and Nola would all go seven innings and give the bullpen a lot of time uh, to rest and only have to go through a couple of pitchers in your bullpen. You know, then when you get to the back end of the rotation and you have to help out Matt Moore and Chase Anderson, you have the arms available to do it. And so that's what started to happen but you know it, it's still like th- not everything's going to go this perfect you know and I'm still worried about and I don't know if you feel the same way and I'll, I'll definitely uh, want to get your thoughts on this but I feel like if things you know eventually during an 162 game season they're going to go south at some point and you're going to hit a rough patch but I, I don't know how far down that's going to be because if the bullpen starts to get overworked like I think we've already seen then you know, they're still a little thin. They have better arms, but they're still a little thin. You know, can we expect Nola, Wheeler, and Eflin to all go seven innings? You know, again, it, and this is why in the playoffs, if they do get there, like if everything's perfect in a playoff series in seven games, I think they can compete. It's just really hard to expect that, though. No, it is. It, it, you, you know, you hit the nail on the head in a perfect world. It definitely was the perfect scenario. Go, You know, your top three, which look like the top three in baseball and National League, uh, they really did. I mean, they, they were a Yeah, oh, their stuff was awesome. Zach, Zach Eflin, too. Like, that's the yep. one I want to highlight the most. Uh, unbelievable yeah. stuff in game one. And that's what we talked about, right? You've been being the X Factor yeah. in that rotation. And, and let, let's not get, you know, let's kind of give a little love to Matt Moore, Chase Anderson, who actually didn't pitch bad at all. Uh, you know, if, if you tell me that I can give up four or less runs between my, my fourth and fifth starter, Every other day, every other fourth or fifth day, and I have to have the bullpen mix just a little bit. I'm okay with that. My problem is, like keep saying this, everybody was so happy that the bullpen, but I don't think everybody looked inside the bullpen. And I brought this up about a week ago, and you know, if you look at guys like Naris, and you look at guys at like Alvarado, and you look at what their pitches are per at bat, 
and per innings. They're not good. I, you know, I, I did the math. We were talking about that Hector Neres was still at over 15 pitches per inning. Uh, Alvarado was over 20. That's showing that they have location issues. Oh, they yeah. still have control issues, right? We've seen it. There's a lot right? of volatility you know, between the two, basically. Exactly. Alvarado could look like a Rolls Chapman, but then he could look like Rick Vaughn for Major League. So we don't know what <laughs> guy is going to show up, right? And that is the issue. And I think that was, is what has to get sorted out because, let's be honest, John, you know as well as I do, if you want to be a playoff team and you want to go deep into the playoffs, you need a bullpen. So this bullpen will have to get sorted out. And hopefully guys like Brogdon and maybe when Spencer Howard comes up, guys like that and those arms will actually help them you know, be, be a little more productive in the future. So I think because the Phillies started off well, uh, it hasn't been, you know, we haven't hit any panic button yet about this, uh, but I can definitely say we're thinking about it. Uh, it's kind of in the back of our minds, and we're like, okay, something's not right here. What's going on? Uh, Bryce Harper, buddy, are you okay? Are you good? We're winning, but uh, maybe you can get a hit. Maybe you can you can hit one out of the yard. Uh, when when do we start? When do when does the back of the head thoughts all of a sudden come to the front and the forefront? And we go okay and get louder about this and say okay, there's a problem. Well, we start losing. Yeah, I mean, well, yes. simple as that, right? Yeah. I mean, winning cures all. Let's be honest. And you brought up Bryce Harper. This is the longest streak he's gone. 2014, in the, you know, in the beginning of the season, without hitting a home run. So, you know, as long as we're winning, it's okay. But if we were one and six right now, like like the Miami Marlins, well, then we would be hitting the panic button. If we were two and five, we would be hitting the panic button. But our pitching has kind of overtaken, and not just pitching, but we have had a lot of clutch hits. Alex Bohm has some clutch hits. Yes, Segura has clutch hits. Romuto with clutch hits. So, you know, the clutch hits has what separated us in the standings right now. I think what we're figuring out, and of course, you know, I, I expect Bryce Harper to be fine at some point this season and yeah. hitting the way, because we, we have known Bryce Harper to be a very streaky hitter in the first place. So it doesn't surprise me at all that he's gotten off to this kind of odd, not-so-good start. Uh, but is, are, are we getting to a point here that, Maybe we could just start calling Alec Bohm the best hitter in the Phillies lineup. I mean, he he. Uh, it's his second season, and this is the time where usually you either get that make-or-break second season. Uh, but when it does happen, it usually ends up being one of the best years of their career. And, I mean, we're getting – I mean, we got that out of Bryce Harper early in his career. Like, his first few seasons were his best. Alec Bohm, is he maybe becoming the best hitter in this lineup, even over Bryce Harper and JT Romuto? Hell no. Oh! <laughs> I was expecting right? okay, a yes. So let, I thought we were going to stone cold no, Steve no, Austin no that one. <laughs> no 360 here, right? No, I, honestly. I, and again, you know I love Alex Bone. And, I, and I, I said he was the offensive X Factor, right? And we talked about that. And But right now he's 218. So even though he has a home run and he's showing the ability to go to the opposite field, I still don't think he's there yet. JTL Romuto is and will be your best overall hitter in that lineup. And not, not, he, he can do everything. You hit for average, you hit for power. You see it tonight where he fought off an inside fastball, went right, hit the gap right between second base and, second, and, the, uh, and the first baseman that was shaded over, goes right in right field for a single. That's what he does. Bohm is not there yet. I think he will get there, uh, and I'm excited about his potential. I think he's going to have a train, uh, uh, you know, an amazing year. I just don't think he's on that level yet to say he's the best hitter in this lineup. Is he better than Reese Hoskins, at least? Yeah. <laughs> 
What do, what do we make out of Reese's start, though? Uh, Can I be- say that any faster? Uh, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> no, you couldn't have. <laughs> Here's the deal, man. There, there's two guys, and, you know, it's Reese Hoskins and Scott Kingery, who got buried by a guy named John Maley, which was the hitting coach for the Philadelphia Phillies, who got let go. And the launch angle killed both of these guys. And we talked about it. For you know, over the last two years, I consistently brought it up. I wasn't the only one. A lot of people brought it up. You could tell the complete difference in Reese Hoskins' approach and his swing. You've seen it in Kingery. Listen, you don't just come up. You do have slumps here and there. But he looked like it was like, you know, I know Space Jam 2 is coming out, but like the Monstars came and stole all his power. Like this kid had nothing. He looked like he was completely overmatched. It was all because of the approach. Melee buried them with the analytics and the launch angle. So one thing I will say is Hoskins looks different this year. Uh, Listen, it's a pipe dream. He's never going to hit 35 to 40 home runs. Never. If people people think he's going to replicate the 30-plus home run, it's not happening. Right, yeah. He's not going to do it, right? But if we can get Reese to bat maybe John like 250 and give us 23 homers and knocking about – 90? I think that's pretty productive. Well, yeah, I, I think uh, you're absolutely right because it's always what I thought about Reese is I, I think we the, the Phillies want to use him and they thought of him as a power hitter and that just the numbers never back that up. He's a hard contact hitter, but he yep. wasn't a fly ball hitter. And so you're asking a guy who's hitting line drives to change his launch angle a little bit and to get the ball more in the air. And then when that happened, well, he wasn't still hitting enough home runs to justify that kind of difference in his swing. Like to me, it's just you, you live or die with Reese Hoskins' contact percentage. And, you know, it. Does he provide much value if he's a line drive hitter without any speed? You know, it's not the the best scenario, but it's probably the best you're going to get out of Reese Hoskins, and I think it's the best for him in terms of knocking in runs that you just let him be a line drive hitter, and that's it. And if it works best for him, then then use that. You don't need him to be a power hitter, and I think that's you know maybe that's what they're changing with him because it's not like Reese is hitting home runs; he's just hitting the ball hard, which is exactly what he should be doing. You know, in a way, if we didn't know we were talking baseball, I could say that is the same description we could talk about Ben Simmons. And the only reason why I say that. Okay, yeah, I get it. Right? It's because Reese needs two or three guys around him so he doesn't have to be the guy. Yeah. So, right, exactly what you said. Listen, if he's a line drive hitter and he's got protection in the lineup, he's good. Ben Simmons has two to three scoring options, and we're not asking him to score 25 points a game, we're fine. So, we're not asking Reese. You know, the past 300 and his 50 home runs and 130 RBIs, he's good. So I think he's perfect in this lineup as long as, like you said, his approach is better, which it's been shown to be this year, and he's hitting the ball harder with consistent contact like he did a couple years ago. My favorite thing, we're talking with Joni, Tony, Joni, Tony, Jake Sockatillo right now on the Dr. Clive Reed. Have you ever been called Joni before? <laughs> no, no. Okay, man. that's you, the first. Kill me. <laughs> Tony Jigsaw Cotillo. that comes up in my head is Joni Cunningham from Happy Days. So, <laughs> I have no uh, idea yeah. where that came from. But Tony <laughs> Jigsaw Cotillo joining me on the Dr. Glatt Rico Hairline. Follow him at tcotillo 23 He Ratio Sports is where you can check out his work at He Ratio Sports on Twitter. A show called Diamond Talk that, uh, you know, maybe you should check out. That's a good show. A nice baseball show. Uh, no, Love and it. no nepotism involved in there for me to be mentioning that one. Uh, but what I do want to mention is, like, you know how there are, like, stages of grief? 
You know, you go through, you know, uh, what are the, the five stages of grief? You know, you go through the depression and the, the denial, all of that. Like, I feel yep. like there, I feel like there are stages of a Bryce Harper slump. We're at the stage right now where Bryce Harper has ditched the batting gloves. Like, we've been there before. And, you know, it, this, we know this of Bryce Harper now that he's been with the Phillies. He's been phenomenal, by the way. This is not a slight. Bryce Harper, since the signing, has been fantastic. But he goes through a lot of dry spells. And when he does yeah. that, he goes through stages of it. And we're at the stage right now. I don't think he's changed the bat yet or used somebody else's bat. But we're at the Bryce Harper stage where he has ditched the batting gloves. Uh, so if if you want to know where he's at in his in his uh, uh, his not so good uh, hitting slump, that's where we're at, Tony. So I guess he went, that's good. he went Vlad. He went Vlad Guerrero on us, right? Is what you're trying to tell me? Yeah, Vlad Guerrero. What a different animal that was. What a different. What a just what a wonderful human that was to be batting no gloves and to be hitting baseballs no that would bounce from the dirt uh, into his bat and for some reason still hit home runs off of it. What a, what a wonderful human being. Uh, just, just an absolute beast at the plate, and his son's pretty good too, by the way, Tony. Uh, uh, I don't know if you know that. Listen, hey, remember there was only two guys who wear no bat gloves. There was Vlad Guerrero, and the other guy was right. He, yeah, he won a, he won a World Series with the Marlins. No, uh, oh, but I, I was thinking, um, the uh, who was I, I hate, I hate right uh, now that I can't remember his name because it's going to kill me that? when you say it. The catcher for the Yankees for all those World Series. Posada. Yeah, Jorge Posada. Jeez, how did I forget that? Who killed us, too, in 2009. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Maybe that's why I'm trying to forget him. Uh, Maybe that's why I'm just completely... You (laughs) probably are. (laughs) Completely shut him away from my memories. Um, him, all right. and, him and Hideki Matsui, they, they're both very Oh, Hideki, oh, man. Yeah, I don't ever want to remember that name. Okay, so uh, before we get into, uh, you know, obviously this day is going to be remembered a lot because uh, DMX passed away today, so we're, mm. we're going to go over that. I know you're a, you're a rough rider, uh, but also I want to get into the WrestleMania. But first, the Sixers, this is what we do here on the, the line change, Tony. By the way, line change, Fox Sports Gambler, presented by Cure Auto Insurance. The Sixers are at the half, and so now we look at the live halftime line, and uh, it is a tie game. It's 50-50, which is not great. I, I expected the Sixers to actually beat the Pelicans pretty bad in this one. I have the Sixers already at 3.5, but if you haven't had a bet yet, and you see the Sixers laying the four points as a four-point favorite, uh, would you be taking the Sixers in this one? What have you seen? Uh, where would you be going here? Uh, you know, that's a tough one because it's another game where you exactly said that I expected them to really go out and perform a lot better than they have right now. And one of the biggest things that they're doing right now, I mean, listen, they're shooting 41% of hand, which isn't terrible. Right? It's 50 The problem is their defense. Right now, they're not being able to dial. Zion Williamson has 17 points. Yeah, what is that? How, why is that play, happening? Right? How, is, how, is, how is that happening? Well, remember, before the trade deadline, we, consi- we consistently talked about us having a bad perimeter defense at times on this team. And Zion Williamson is so strong, he's getting past that second level. And, and, and he's showing that you know, he is unstoppable at times. And, and now you have Jackson Hayes, who's giving you 10 points. Right, I mean, so you're you're having unsung heroes in this game, and this is what happened when we played Memphis. So you know, we have these lulls with this team. I'm not sure why, because they are a great defensive team. But sometimes when you have the high caliber perimeter players, they really blow us away. Yeah, and uh, it is it is not going well for the Sixers right now. I still I'm, I'm fine with my three and a half point bet. 
Or laying the three and a half in the Sixers. I would take them. Yeah, I I, I mean, I I still expect them to win this game. It's not going the way I thought, but they're still the better team in this one. Um, But yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, a a little bit of problems. And you you mentioned um, some daily fantasy there. I know because uh, I I end up doing an NBA DFS preview show. Uh, for I a website, like yeah, it. I'm not good at it, but the the kid I'm That's on okay. with is phenomenal, and I'm learning things. So, but you you said one of the names that I've been hearing pretty much all week, and for like the the entire time I've been doing it, a guy in Jackson Hayes. But I do want to ask you about DFS, especially for Major League Baseball. Uh, how has that been going for you? Like, what what things are you kind of noticing right now? At least trends early on that you're either using to put guys in your lineup, stay away from. Just how early on? Because I know betting's been a little hit or miss. I've had seven and zero days, and I had one in three days. You know, I it's all over the place, but that's what happens in baseball. Uh, but so far, how has DFS been going for you? What are some things that you're noticing? So I'll tell you what, I, I've been having a, a really really good time nice. with baseball. Nice, really. Um, you know, and. It, it, again, last year was my first year to figure stuff out. I was never a heavy DFS Major League Baseball player. I was never a heavy NBA DFS play, uh, basketball player as well. So last year I kind of laid the groundwork and learned. And what I learned is we just talked about Reese Hoskins being a consistent contact hitter. And I learned that maybe you shouldn't put all your eggs in those power bats and get guys that are going to be consistent Point producers, like I say, give me those two for four nights all the time instead of getting that big dunk. You have to have one, but maybe you shouldn't have three because if you have three and they all go over four, that's three fat <laughs> zeros that you get in your lineup. I'd much rather have seven or eight, right? So you, know, you, you, you kind of pinpoint guns, right? Like a, a Gorel, you know, who, who, listen, Houston, their bats have been phenomenal. Carlos Correa has been one of the hottest players of baseball right now. He, you know, so you, you Could you tell him to hit Brooks. tonight, please? I need it. What's that? Could you tell the Me Astros too. to hit tonight, please? I need it. Well, right now they haven't, so they're down one nothing, right? So, but we're only in the fourth inning, so I, I thought they would be able to kill Sean Mania. But we'll see what happens, right? But look at a guy like Byron Bruxton out in Byron Buxton out in Minnesota. Yeah. He's a perfect example. He, you know, he does four or five things for you. He's a stat filler. He's a stat stuffer. I mean, that's what he does. He's going to steal bases. He's going to hit for average. He's going to hit for power. Run scored. So in baseball, number one, DFS, two pitchers, stunts. You have to – if your pitchers do not – give you production, you're going to lose. You will not cash with two bad pitchers. So here's what I tell everybody with pitchers. Uh, I don't worry about wins. Wins are four points. To me, I don't care. Strikeouts. I'm going to go, right? Need, need I'm going to seven innings. Give me seven strikeouts. Right? And don't give up maybe one or two runs. So I can get. I know I'm getting 15 to 16 points every time. And if I can win, to me, it's like a touchdown in football. Yeah. No, I, I strikeouts are kind of what you're chasing for, not really the win. And so uh, that's that's yep. kind of the right way to look at it. I completely agree. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, at, look at tonight. Not to interrupt you, but look at tonight yeah. right now at Musgrove from, from San Diego. I mean, we're only in four innings. He already has 15 and a half points Jeez. because he has four strikeouts and 10 outs. So, I mean, we're only in four innings. He's averaging a strikeout per, uh, you know, per inning. So he's essentially going to get you eight or nine. I said eight and a half. I'm not sure what the line was tonight. But I was thinking it was going to be over eight and a half because Texas, has the most strikeouts in Major League Baseball in the first five or six games. So uh, they're striking out at, at an insane clip. So you have a, a hard thrower, strikeout pitcher, gets a lineup who likes to strike out eight to nine to ten times a game. That is a formula for success. 
So going away from DFS and from a few other things, I first want to ask you because uh, uh, you mentioned it when you tweeted out here at tcatillo23, Tony Cotillo, joining me on the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline here on the line change. Fox Sports The Gambler presented by Cure Auto Insurance. Uh, but you mentioned that you're a true rough rider. And somebody like me, like I obviously know who DMX is. I My my story about DMX is uh, we had a, a Ford, it was a Ford Bronco, I think something like that. It was an old like Ford, white Ford that we had. And so we bought it, obviously used, and there were CDs in the car. And one of them was uh, a DMX CD. And so this was when we were playing baseball and traveling, and we could drive at the time, so we were driving to our baseball games and uh, we would this CD would be the one to pump us up, and we would be literally showing up to these games with DMX blasting, and it was it was that, that's one really awesome way to be driving up to a baseball game though. We never won, so I don't know if it made a difference, but it felt cool. Uh, but I, I don't think I even fully grasp just like how in, in the the nineties and early two thousands just just how big DMX was. A lot of people didn't. A lot of people didn't, and. and the funny thing is, and I, when I say I'm a true rough rider, I am a, I am a hip-hop guy from you know, thick to thin, man. And, and I've always been hip-hop. I will forever be hip-hop. And the funny thing is, listen, I'm going to be 43. So the thing is, DMX is only seven years older than me. So the funny thing is, when I was 18, listen to DMX, he was only 25. Jeez. So he wasn't that much older than me. So, you know, you relate it. To you know what he was, the, the way he would he would rap with conviction and passion, and he was that old kind of storyteller. And that, that's how I say he wasn't hip hop; he was rap. Yes, what yeah. he did, right? I and mean, he he, you know, you hear the word spit, you hear the word dropping bars, and that's exactly what DMX did. You know, he went for the old school days of Chuck D from Public Enemy, from KRS One. You know, he he was that kind of recipe for the rap team. And then when he started Rough Riders. I mean, that, that, you know, that was huge. That was the first time you had a group in hip-hop of all these individual rappers. Think about it. That was before Wu-Tang, right? That was before you had individual rappers. So the individuals like Drag On, Let Us All Album, Eve, Philly's Finest, shout out to Philly, right? Had her own solo album, right? You had the locks that he did solo, you know, he did cameos with. I mean, Money, Power, Respect with the locks of Little Kid and DMX is unbelievable. Four, three, two, one with Method Man and Red Man and LL Cool J. So, I, listen, man, I could talk your ear off with this for days. DMX, definitely, there, there isn't a song I've never liked. Uh, rest in peace, he will be missed. And today was a great day to throw on the Pandora channel and just throw on DMX and just jam out all day long. So, um, I... I... You know, I always like these questions of, you know, an artist, and if you were trying to introduce them to somebody, like, what would be, I guess always an album, but what would be a song that encapsulates? I know that's a little bit harder, because there's probably so many different types of songs in terms of, you know, one as an anthem, one as something more serious, but if if somebody asked you today, a nice Gen Zer came up to you, I'm sure, a lovely Gen Zer, and, and, and they ask you, you know, who is DMX, and you show them what song? I, again, I would give him money, power, respect. And here's the thing, and I know that's not DMX's song, but he had a huge cameo in that song. And, and the reason why I say that is because you heard the grit in his voice. You seen right there the potential and how special he was on the mic. And you said to yourself, listen, you hear this guy rap for one verse? Can you imagine if he's rapping for four? And, and you, you just fell in love with the way he held the microphone and the way he was able to roll throughout transitions from, you're talking about a guy like Jada Kiss, 
you know, it's not, it, with the locks, who has a completely different style, but little Kim, who has a completely different style, and then it goes right into DMX and he picks up the mic like nobody's business. So I would actually tell him, listen to that song, listen to his verse, and then it'll make you appreciate his foil albums. Like, you know, it, it's dark and hell is hot. I love it. Uh, that's great. And so we're talking with Tony Jigsaw Cotillo on the Dr. Glatt Regor, your hairline. Uh, so I, I hear you're a big WrestleMania guy, by the way. Yes. I hear you're a big wrestling guy. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I'm 100%. Just, hey, I just found I, I seen on Twitter, man, because Vic's a WrestleMania guy, too. Yeah, you know, I, I, I keep forgetting. I, I know. I keep forgetting that there we have more wrestling fans here at the Gambler than I even thought. <laughs> Uh, it's crazy. Like I thought I was the weird wrestling guy, and I am the weird wrestling guy who was in the studio at 11 a.m. this morning watching independent wrestling, and Sean Brace walked in as I'm watching. Dad, and he goes, "Listen, he goes, that's your problem, John. You're you're weird to Sean Brace. Yeah. He doesn't get wrestling. That's why we've had these discussions before. He doesn't understand. So no, he doesn't. Wrestling is is something is a type of art and a type of yep. genre that just you can't get from a lot of things. Like it is very unique, and I love it. But I'll ask what what are you looking forward to for uh, for WrestleMania this weekend? Man, first of all, two night event. Right? I love it. Do you yeah. like the two nights? I think it's great. I love. I yeah. love the two nights. I absolutely do. Um, here's what I'm, I'm going to throw curveball here for you because I really love the women's wrestling, and, you know, of right now. I'm a huge Sasha Banks fan, huge. When Sasha Banks came on NXT, I, I was never a Bailey fan. I always thought Bailey was way over the top. I thought they pushed her, and she had no marketing ability. And Sasha Banks was the boss, just like her nickname is. Like she <laughs> commanded. She commanded the respect. The funny thing is, the reason why I can't wait for this match is because Bianca Belair, is the next coming. You can see it. She has the charisma. She has the mic skills. And she has the in-ring ability. She is going to be the next biggest thing in the WWE. So I'm really looking forward to that match. I'm looking forward to that. And to main event, like, that's great. I'm glad they're, yeah. they're main eventing night one with that. That's Love awesome. It, uh, it should be. It. So how about we do this? So we're going to be doing a WrestleMania preview special. Uh, and, and, you know, I feel like I feel like such a that's such a WWE thing to do is just to put so many tags on the, the headline. WWE WrestleMania preview special, uh, you know, extravaganza. Like, it seems so such like a wrestling thing for me to name it. Uh, but I'll go through uh, the, the DraftKings poll, by the way. I don't know if you've seen this. It's amazing. So let's go through that match together. You want to do that? There's some sure. we can make some picks. So Absolutely. who will leave us who will leave a SmackDown women's champion, Sasha Banks or Bianca Blair? Bianca Belair yep. all day long. Yeah, Bianca Belair. How do you think that match is won? Pinfall, if, if obviously if Bianca wins, it's not DQ or submission. Uh I would definitely say pinfall. Pinfall, I agree. Actually, a micro submission. That's a tough one. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I just, I don't think you're going to have the boss tap out. You know, I just, I don't see the boss tapping out at WrestleMania. Maybe if it was like, a, you know, maybe if it was a backlash or it was a, right, a lower yeah. level pay per view. I don't think she's tapping out at WrestleMania. So total pinfall attempts. It's set at five and a half. Mm. See, this is why I like it because we're betting Ooh. like props on a match. Total pinfall attempts, five and a half. I think for this one, since it's the main event, that is over easily. They will be trying to pin each other pretty much every step of the way, and you'll see so many false finishes in this one. 
Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I, you know, I'm thinking in my mind, you, you, there's going to be so many two-and-a-half counts that you know, it's going to be, you're going to have everybody. Because, again, you know, you know, this is awesome, Chance. The reason why that is relevant <laughs> yeah. is because of the two-and-a-half count. Yes, right? so, yes. Yeah, yeah, main event, 100% over, overall that. I love it. Now, the, the next question, I just have to check to make sure, since this is a championship match, uh, that there's this isn't a DQ, uh, no DQ match or anything, because one of the props here is will either superstar use a foreign object? Yes or no? You would have to say no to that if if Bianca's going to win, right? I mean, how I, would I'm going to say yes? Okay, something I'm behind the yes back because, of the ref kind of thing. Yeah, well, well, you know, they they let they let things get away. They do. They you're right. Away. Yes. Yeah. And I'm going to I'm going to go one further. I'm going to give you Sasha Banks with a kendo stick. <laughs> I love a good kendo stick. Uh, th- those yeah. are always great. Uh, so, the- oh, that's awesome. See, but this Tony is why that you know we we do the WrestleMania preview because all well, these DraftKings pools we're trying to help help everyone out uh, to yeah, sure. uh, to get some. Are you going to be doing these pools? By the way, I think they're a lot of fun. I think you would be good uh, at. It. I, I I'll tell you what, I was just introduced to them probably maybe three weeks ago. It's but, great. Uh, what was the latest? The last the last pay per view you guys had a preview show on was that the Royal Rumble? Yeah, it was the Rumble. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I only three. I meant three months, but that was the first time I ever really realized that DraftKings did have that. It's and I was so all good. into that, man. That was fun. Yeah. Oh man, I'm I'm all into it. When when I see like total set on a wrestling match, like I'm in. You, yes, you sold me. I'm in. I'm I'm gonna be doing that. That's my. That's what I'm going to focus on now for the rest of the weekend. Uh, Tony, great for having you on. Good to talk WrestleMania and everything with you, of course, uh, because I like wrestling and I, I'm always surprised to realize how many people here at the Gambler do end up liking WWE and wrestling. But Tony, thanks for joining me. Always enjoy our Friday chats, and uh, definitely we'll be doing it again next week and you know what let's just forget about this Phillies game too how about that uh, I'm with you Tom no problem let's forget about it look forward to tomorrow night Wrestlemania night number one yes sounds good that's Tony Cotillo